There's a very long tradition in the Christian church of telling the story of Jesus' baptism on the second Sunday of January. So our text this morning comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, the story of Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. In the name of God, the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lloyd Hackwell was a good friend of mine. Throughout his entire adult years, he offered pastoral leadership to Episcopalian churches in various parts of the country. During the Second World War, he was a chaplain in the United States Navy. And when he left that position, he became the rector of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Albany, New York. Now, when Lloyd arrived at St. Andrew's, he discovered immediately that this congregation had enjoyed a rich, robust, and loving relationship with its former pastor that had lasted for 20 years. All around his office and the parish hall, there were photographs a record of the celebrations that they had enjoyed together during that time, the milestones that they had accomplished. That congregation also had a very uh, rich engagement with the members of the parish who had served in the armed forces during the Second World War. It was a remarkable community of faith. Now Lloyd was able to celebrate that, but all of that accomplishment also raised a question in his mind. What could he offer to such a place? They had already seemed to attain so much, to realize so much. What, what was going to be his unique contribution? So Lloyd began to wonder how he could discover that. So he decided to do this for a week. He basically locked himself inside his study in the parish building. Each day, he told me he made a lunch. He went to the church office, locked himself in his study, more or less, and spent time thinking, reflecting, praying, facing his ego, dreaming, reading scripture. And Lloyd indicated to me that as the week progressed, he began to develop a sense of his own unique orientation in that parish. He began to think deeply about the unique gifts that he could bring to this congregation. And by the end of the week, he had discerned just a few simple steps that he could take in order to initiate his own ministry at St. Andrews. And it worked because Lloyd went on to enjoy 12 wonderful years in that parish, but they started 
from that week when he withdrew himself to do some very deep thinking about his role as minister in that place. You could say that Lloyd realized that before he could be a great giver to that congregation, he first had to receive an understanding or an orientation that enabled him to appreciate everything that congregation had done in the past, but without diminishing his own natural capacities for ministry that would be important for them in the future. Now, Jesus was a great giver. At the foundational level, he was extraordinarily generous with his observational skills. He noticed people. He noticed things about people that others did not. He was generously available to people, responsive to them. No wonder that people flocked around him, seeking his words of wisdom and his physical touch and his healing power. The question then occurs to me, what if Jesus was a great giver? Because he too was also a great receiver, first and foremost. At two key moments in the life of Jesus, at his birth, and at his baptism, wonderful things happened to him simply because he was on the receiving end of things. As an infant, he received wonderful gifts from these strange visitors called magi, not because of anything he'd asked for or anything he'd done or anything he'd accomplished, but simply because of who he was. From infancy, he was a great receiver. And then as an adult, Jesus did not begin his ministry by announcing a mission program or a set of objectives. He didn't perform a miracle with or for anyone. Instead, he put himself on the receiving end of things. And in fact, this was confusing to John the Baptist when the two men met at the Jordan River. John said, I thought you were supposed to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, that's not how it's going to work. I need to receive from you first. I think there he was establishing a tone for his ministry, just as Lloyd Hackwell had done at St. Andrews. Now those two stories about Jesus, one taking place in his infancy and one in his adulthood, describe Jesus obviously as someone who is destined to be of extraordinary significance, not only for the land and the people in the immediate geographical area where he lived, but for the entire world. Those stories serve as reminders that great things happened because of him, but they also serve as reminders that great things happened to him at those unique points in his life. I'd go so far as to say that Jesus would never have become a healer, a teacher, a visionary, had he not received care as an infant, had he not received care as an adolescent, and so far as we can tell, he was a great receiver all the way through his adult years. He received help through the companionship of his disciples, which wasn't always consistent, but it was more or less there for him. He received love from close friends like Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He received inspiration from the natural world. He received resilience through the love and care of God. His ministry began in that moment when he was baptized in the River Jordan and received the energy of God's Spirit in a way that shaped his whole life for the better. I'd say that Jesus was a great receiver, and that made him a great giver. And looking back in the moments 
at the moments in life when we've been on the receiving end of things in a good way can be a reminder of how much strength has come to us, how much love has come to us in our lives in ways that continue to linger and endure throughout the entire course of our lifetime. When I was a senior in high school, my parents attended a ceremony where I was receiving an academic award. And that was, their, their presence there was significant to me for many reasons, but primarily because my father was extraordinarily ill at the time, and it took a lot of energy and strength for him to make it to the high school auditorium so he could witness that event. Now, later that day, I saw my father sitting at the dining room table with a piece of paper and an envelope, and he was writing a note. He put that in the envelope. And then later that day, he gave that to me. Now, that was a significant moment for me because there were not many such moments in my relationship with my father. It was a relationship characterized mostly by tension uh, during my, my high school years in particular. But at that moment, I received that note. I remember taking it up to my room and reading it, and it was the most beautiful statement about my father's love for me, his pride in me. And these were things that he'd never really been able to say to me face to face, but I treasure that note to this day. Now, I could have taken the note and simply placed it somewhere and not given it much attention, but thank goodness I received it. And by receiving it, it gave me an insight into my father that I'd really not had up until that time. Where there's life, there's rhythm. The heartbeat, giving, receiving, breathing, giving, and receiving. And at this time, in the life of our planet, when we are still living our way through a global pandemic, when it can seem that challenges without any easy or speedy resolution rise up to meet us everywhere, it's important to consider how we are organized to receive the love of God, how we are organized to receive the goodness of the earth and those around us. Because as we receive that goodness into our lives, it gives us the strength and the inspiration and the resilience to be innovators, to be creative thinkers, to respond to the world with love and care and with a longing for justice. H.A. Williams, who's one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called The True Wilderness. And in that book, he says, I would say that it is only by the courage to receive our natural potentialities without hindrance that we can become fully ourselves. In fact, H.A. Williams went on to say that the question about how we are organizing our lives to be good receivers is perhaps the most important question we can ask in our lives. How is it that we are allowing the goodness of life around us to come to us so that we can then reflect that back to the world? Spiritual vitality comes from cultivating attitudes that give us room to receive so that as we deepen the experience of our breath, as we receive new ideas into our lives, as we learn how to receive rest and care for our bodies and souls, this is what gives us the strength to be ministers in the name of Jesus 
giving to the world the kind of love that he gave to the world. In his lifetime, Jesus consistently invited others to receive newness into his life and not to cling unnecessarily to the traditions of the past. He would at one point say to his followers, you have heard it said that, and then he would name some older tradition, but I say unto you that, and then he would press them and encourage them to think of some new vision for the future. We can start this way of thinking, this framework for the future by receiving each day as a gift. This is the day that the Lord has made. Now I know that my entire day can be affected by how I receive the first few moments of wakefulness at the very beginning of the day. If I start thinking about what do I have to do or what do I have to worry about, already I can begin to feel life diminishing in some way. That I'm no longer thinking about the natural potentialities of ministry, I'm thinking about how do I get through this day? And that's not how I want to live each day. In her book called Receiving the Day, Dorothy Bass says, offering attention to the day requires freedom from bondage to yesterday and from fear for tomorrow. So we have to be liberated from our bondage to yesterday and from fears for tomorrow. And she goes on to talk about Martin Marty, who she says is a prolific author and a generous Christian. He reports that a simple gesture each day prepares him to remember that he has been given such freedom. I start my own day invariably, he says, by making the sign of the cross on my body as a token of my baptism. So Martin Marty is thinking about a moment in his life when he received the love of God into his life, when he couldn't have done anything to earn it, but it was just given to him as a pure gift. And he tries to start each and every day in that spirit. That's what I've been trying to do, especially during this global pandemic, when I wake into the day to think about it as a gift and to think about Jesus with his life and his vitality still alive in the world, alive and at large in the world, waiting for us as if to say, receive my spirit. Do the things that we need to do in order to bring greater health and wellness and justice to our world. Receive the day. Receive God's creative spirit. Receive the love of God. Then we can love the world like God loves the world. Amen.